Welcome to the Fantasy Ace Ball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Ace Ball. And you can find my written work over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits if you want to read along with the podcast. Uh, because I do the weekly notes also in the written form. And uh, this deadline, man, is a rough one for me as a Cardinals fan. Um, I'm happy they actually did get some depth. But uh, I'm not the most pleased with the moves. I mean, Quintana and Montgomery both look pretty good so far. Um, in their first couple of starts, Montgomery wasn't getting the case, but uh, he was cramping up the other day versus the Indians versus the Yankees, too, in his first start with the Cardinals. Uh, and they do get him next year, too. That's an interesting thing. But I was really hoping to get a higher-end starter. I was hoping for, like, Carlos Rodon if they didn't land Soto. I mean, obviously, I was all on that Soto bandwagon, and I got pretty angry about the whole, uh, oh, we can't trade Dylan Carlson for Juan Soto type thing. I don't really think that's it. I think, um, and it's coming out a little more some, that the Nationals, they wanted Carlson, they wanted Gorman, and they wanted Walker. And it's just having all three of those guys in the same trade was what they wouldn't do. They were okay trading Walker. But then if you're trading Walker, you're not going to trade Carlson. And they were okay trading Carlson and Gorman, but if they're going to trade Carlson and Gorman, then they're not going to trade Walker. So I kind of think that's what happened, um, which it makes sense. When you look at the Padres' offer, they had to match it. They would have had to tr- throw all those guys in to, to beat the Padres' offer. And I think it would have beat it because there's more major league-ready players that the Cardinals were offering. Um, so I think it would have beat it. Um, I think the Cardinals were just kind of banking on letting the Nationals throw Corbin in there and trying to eat some salary. And they're like, hey, we can get Soto, and we'll eat this Patrick Corbin salary too. And then the Nationals were like, no, we're trying to maximize our return here. We're not going to dilute Soto's return by throwing Corbin in it. That's kind of what took the Cardinals out of the equation, I think, uh, during this trade deadline here. So... Um, yeah, you know, I'm a little bitter that the Cardinals didn't get Soto. That Soto's now in the Padres for the next two and a half, two and a half years. I was really hoping for it. Even the stuff from the night before, we had tweets saying, oh, we think the Cardinals are, I think, I don't remember if it's Hayland or Morosi, but someone said, oh, I think the Cardinals are still the favorites. So, um, kind of disappointing that the Cardinals didn't get Soto, especially watching Soto and Pujols. And then also, kind of disappointed in again Ace, but they are on a six-game winning streak, and they're in the charge of the Central now, and the Brewers are faltering because they traded Hater, and everyone on the team is depressed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's the deadline in a nutshell from a Cardinals fan. So, I was thinking of using the deep dive to go through all the trades uh, after my last article, but I think at this point, everyone's heard and read all the commentary to go along with all the trades. So we're just going to focus on how the trades will affect lineups and how uh, trades have changed player rankings as far as waivers, best waiver ads, and best prospect prospect uh, redraft guys to go get. So let's go through our roster notes now. We're going to start with the Baltimore Orioles as always. So um, Baltimore Orioles have a new closer in town. His name is Felix Bautista. Uh, who is taking over after the Orioles moved Jorge Lopez to the Twins at the deadline. 
So we've got Felix Batista coming in as the closer. And Tyler Wells is hurt. I thought D.L. Hall would be up. They traded Mancini. So I thought Kyle Stowers would be up. I think um, Hall is going to take a couple starts to get right now because he's had two or three bad starts in a row after having a few amazing starts in a row. So I think the Orioles, before they call him back up, they're going to want to see a couple strong starts put together from D.L. Hall. I think he's got to show consistency. If he can put up two really good starts again in a row, I think he's going to be up. Um, we'll talk more about that when we get to the prospects. And Kyle Stowers, I think he should he could be up any time. Um, you know, he could fill that Mancini void now that they traded Mancini at any time. Um, and then even Gunnar Henderson could get the call. So a lot of Orioles are of interest here toward the back end of the year and for the next year. Boston Red Sox. Uh, some might not agree, probably Red Sox fans, but I think that, that somehow the Red Sox still upgraded the rest of the team this year. Tommy Pham is really good. So uh, they added Pham at the top of the lineup, and I still don't think they're going to make playoffs. They'd have to be really lucky and make a strong push. Um, that's kind of what they're banking on, though. That's why they did a little buying. That's why they went and got Pham. They think Hosmer maybe adding a little leadership in that locker room, maybe mixing it up. Um, maybe Hosmer can help this team get on the right track, and he'll at least be a stopgap for Tristan Casas while the Red Sox wait for Casas to get his stuff right. Um, but it's a decent lineup still. Unfortunately, they had all those pitching injuries this year, so they're going to shoot for next year. Chicago White Sox, for the first time all season, the White Sox are fully healthy, and their lineup card actually looks really good. Got Anderson, Robert, Eloy, Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Moncada, Grandall and Pollock. It's a really good lineup, and it makes sense. Like, the first time all year. Too late, probably. Too little, too late. And uh, it should have been a playoff team. So, I think LaRusse has got to go. Because the White Sox on paper are a much better team than the Twins and Guardians. And they just didn't get it done. Talking about the Guardians, you've got Josh Naylor is hitting in a platoon right now, which doesn't make sense to me because he's possibly their second-best hitter to J-Ram. And uh, the Guardians DFA'd Franmil the other day. Interesting. So I think some playoff team is going to add this guy. He's a 30 home run guy. See some rumors out there that the Padres are going to get Franmil. Um, someone's going to get Franmil and see if they can get him going because he's, over the course of his entire career, besides this year, has been a very good hitter. Um, about very above average if you look at his OPS plus. And the Guardians, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but watch for Bo Naylor call up sometime soon too before the end of the season because they didn't go out and trade a, for a catcher um, as per the rumors, which means that Bo could come up to join his brother Josh and be the catcher for this team. Really good hitter. Detroit Tigers didn't end up moving any of their bullpen, uh, which is interesting. Because you would have figured that they would have moved all those guys, Soto and Lang and Chafin, Fulmer. Um, the fact that Miggy is hitting cleanup right now should tell you enough about the state of this team. And Torkelson is struggling in AAA too, so I don't expect him back anytime soon. Probably not until the very end of the year. They're going to bring him back and say, hey, here you are. Get your stuff ready to go so that we can be good for next year. Um, Houston Astros, interesting move. They traded 
Jake Odorizzi for Will Smith to the Braves. That's okay because they still have a ton of pitching depth. They still have McCullers coming back. They're in the, they still have a six-man rotation. They've got McCullers coming back from injury still. And they've got Hunter Brown in AAA. So Astros have a lot of pitching depth. And they did bring in Trey Mancini and Vasquez from Boston to upgrade at first base DH slash catcher. So pretty critical needs for this team. They do a good deadline, I would say. They did a good job of updating their weaknesses. Kansas City Royals um, moved Witt at the bottom of his value after all these years of good contracts and stuff. Imagine how they traded Witt a couple years ago that they could have gotten for him. Um, but they are bringing up all their young hitters. So now they've got Melendez, Pasquantino, Prado, Massey, all with Bobby Witt. Uh, the only thing that they still are, I don't know what they're messing around with, is the outfielders. Still don't know why. They never gave Oliverius an Isabel run, but hey, I don't know. They're they're gonna they're a team that if they want to take a step big step forward they're gonna have to spend some money. They're gonna have to go get a really good strong pitcher in free agency. Probably two, and they're gonna need to add someone in the outfield if they want to move this team forward. And Kansas City doesn't usually spend money, so Los Angeles Angels have to trade Shohei this offseason. I think this roster is a complete train wreck besides Trout and Otani, and. Otani could bring back a Juan Soto-esque package, probably a bit lighter because he has less control than Soto, so it wouldn't be the same. Uh, Otani's honestly the better player than Soto, but he's older and he doesn't have the same years of control, so I think it will be a lighter return, um, but it will still be a really nice package of prospects, three or four top prospects probably. Minnesota Twins. They did what they could at the deadline by adding Tyler Molly, which is nice, and Jorge Lopez. So they added the pitching where they're down. So now they have a nice little rotation. They're kind of like the Cardinals. They have a bunch of like number three starters in their rotation, and good rotation depth, but and a good lineup. But they don't have like the ace for the playoffs. So when you have a team like that, you're really depending on your hitters to outhit the other teams. The New York Yankees. The Yankees made some interesting deadline moves by bolstering center field. They traded for Harrison Bader at the deadline, trading Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals. I've been talking about the Cardinals. Um, they added Frankie Montas. Some people say Montas. I've always called them Montas. It's a good trade. They didn't get that much up for him. They added Benintendi, which is also a good trade. And then this Montgomery thing was weird. But then it's apparently come out on Yankees radio that they had a verbal deal for a Pablo Lopez and then it didn't get done in time, and that might be why they traded Montgomery, because they thought they were going to get Pablo Lopez and didn't. Oakland A's, super underwhelmed by the A's return for Montes. Got all the Chuck and Sears, like a couple of older prospect pitchers. They're like mid-rotation guys, so a little underwhelming. And then they didn't trade Murphy, and they didn't trade Loriano. So, I don't know. It's not really a good rebuild. You'd think they would want to kind of do what the Reds are doing, but they're not doing it. Seattle Mariners brought Kalenic back up while J-Rod is hurt, and Mitch Hanniger should be also returning soon. We'll get into Hanniger. Pitching is fantastic, though, with adding Luis Castillo. Um, 
I don't think this is the Mariners' year. I think they could get into the playoffs, have a good shot of making the playoffs. Uh, but I think 2023 is the more realistic year for this team. But, hey, I could be wrong. You know, teams get hot. Tampa Bay Rays got Brandon Lau back finally. And I'm actually surprised the Rays didn't make a couple more trades. I was looking to, to them to do some of these little tinkering pitching trades, and they didn't really do that. Wander should come back in the next few weeks here, at least by the end of the month, help this team with their push against the Orioles and Blue Jays in the division. Texas Rangers brought up Bubba Thompson to pair with Leody Tavares. Bubba Thompson's a nice power speed guy. I think he's going to have uh, plate discipline issues at the major league level, though. Probably going to strike out a lot. Um, but you got here like a little mini possible Tyler O'Neill here and Bubba Thompson. So if you need power speed, or really a mini Adolis Garcia. So <laughs> they've got Adolis and Bubba Thompson kind of doing the same thing on the corners with Leody. So a lot of swing and miss here on this Rangers team. But um, Thompson's up, so keep an eye on him. And then also Jonathan Hernandez might be moving to the closer role, so keep an eye on that too if you need saves. Toronto Blue Jays added Mitch White, a bit of an underrated move. And they also got with Merrifield, so if Merrifield can – Solve his vaccine problems. That was the biggest hole in the Blue Jays lineup was at a second base spot. And now they got Witt, uh, all-star second baseman. Um, hasn't been that great this year, but can help. In the National League here now, Arizona Diamondbacks. Surprisingly, the D-backs did not move any of their pitching. I thought Bumgarner and Kennedy and Melanson and some of these guys would be moved at the deadline, but it didn't happen. And even with them moving David Peralta and clearing spot in the outfield, I do not see Corbin Carroll coming up this year. I don't know why they would burn a year of eligibility. If anyone comes up, uh, besides they've got McKay there right now, or McCarthy there right now, if anyone else came up, it would probably be Dominic Fletcher, who has been in AAA longer than Corbin Carroll. So if someone comes up, it's probably going to be Don Fletcher, not Corbin Carroll. Sorry to pour cold water on all you people pounding for Corbin Carroll to come up. Atlanta Braves made a nice under-the-radar move to add Jake Odorizzi at the deadline for Will Smith, which helped them preserve some of Spencer Strider's innings going into the playoffs. And they also got a really good closer, Rysel Iglesias, who's not going to be the closer for them probably, probably be Jansen, um, but a really nice setup, man. And then he's going to be the closer next year. Um, I don't really don't get that move for uh, the Angels. Okay. They traded Iglesias basically for nothing. And then they traded Brandon Marsh, which was kind of weird when they, they were so high on Marsh. And they didn't trade Otani. So don't really know what this team's doing. And especially Trout looking like he's going to have to be a DH uh, for the rest of his career now, possibly. Chicago Cubs and the Red Sox are both doing some really weird things by not fully committing to selling or buying. Cubs especially as they're not competitive at all. But still didn't move Contreras or Hap. Um, I guess they might be trying to sign Contreras long term. I don't know. Kind of weird. Cincinnati Reds promoted Jose Barrero, who's having a very bad year in the minors after a nice year last year. Uh, but they made a ton of awesome moves to bolster this lineup. Got a really, they got a boatload of really nice hitting prospects. The deadline for Molly, for. Castillo, um, nice returns. They got Encarnacion Strand and Steer from the Twins for Molly. And they got Noelvi Marte and Arroyo 
from the Mariners. So some really nice moves here for the Reds. And they got someone too from the Red Sox for uh, FAM. can't remember who they got for FAM right now off the top of my head. Colorado Rockies just picked up Denelson Lamette when he was DFA'd. So that'll be something interesting to watch that the Rockies did. Actually something interesting. Uh, but obviously pitchers in Colorado. But at least Lamette is going to have a chance to actually play. And that's more than we could say with anyone else since he got DFA. Los Angeles Dodgers called out Miguel Vargas, but he's in a platoon right now with Max Muncy. He's not playing every day. It seems like it's an every other day thing right now. We'll see if Vargas stays up once Turner comes back. We'll see if he can get hot and get himself, uh, keep himself in the lineup. He did have a nice first game. Second game went 0-4. Um, be nice to see if Vargas gets this chance to outplay Turner and Muncy because he's probably better than them. And if the Dodgers want to win, you think you would be playing your best players. Miami Marlins have some interesting names in their lineup right now, like Luan Diaz, J.J. Bleday, Peyton Burdick, and Charles LeBlanc. And unless you're playing in an NL-only league, I wouldn't consider any of them. But the good news is Edward Cabrera and Jesus Lazardo are back in the rotation. Milwaukee Brewers had a pretty disappointing deadline after trading Hader and not doing anything to improve their offense outside of adding a story Ruiz and Hader trade. And Ruiz isn't even on the team right now. I think he could help in a playoff run because he's so fast that they'll bring him up. He's going to be a nice uh, addition for at least base running. Should be starting probably if trade a hater for him, though. New York Mets, instead of making a big splash, the Mets decided to take a note from the Giants and took even rough from the Giants. So basically they supplemented their lineup with some platoon bats, so they've got a bunch of platoon hitters that they added to help them down the stretch. Philadelphia Phillies, Alec Bohm is hitting third in the lineup now. So take note of that. Bohm moving on my waiver rankings because he's hitting there. Phillies are playing better than expected since Harper's injury. When Harper comes back, if he can come back earlier, it's really going to make a difference in this playoff race, I think, for that last spot. Got a race between the Cardinals, Brewers, and Phillies in that now. Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, Bednar is on the IL. So right now it's Cron and De Los Santos. Closing. I don't think either of them is really worth much of a fab bid. Uh, musical chairs continue in the lineup here, too. Cal Mitchell back up. Lai Madras back up. The big question is when is Rowansi Conchero going to come back up? They traded Quintana. They need him. He just had a dominant start in the minors. So Rowansi should be back very, very soon. Padres. Uh, I don't need to talk about the Padres because everyone's been talking about them. Hater, Drury, Bell, Soto. Oh, my. So um, I'm curious, though, to see where the Padres farm system ranked before the trade, the trades that they made, and where it ranks now. San Francisco Giants are pretty far out of the playoff race, so it's interesting to see that they didn't sell Rodon or Jock, especially since Rodon is probably going to opt out this year anyway. They'll get a nice contract this offseason, probably five, six years. St. Louis Cardinals didn't make the the big moves I was hoping for, but they did supplement the rotation depth, which was necessary. So, interestingly, it looks like Lars Newbar is going to be the full-time right fielder moving forward, and he's been awesome defensively. Um, And they've got DeYoung as the full-time shortstop right now. When I would expect kind of DeYoung and Gorman to have a platoon, where Edmund's playing every day, DeYoung plays against lefties, and uh, Gorman plays against righties. That might be the best move, but... 
Looks like Deion's playing all every every game so far, and uh, he's had good defense, and he's hit a couple dongs. Um, I was really hoping to see an Alec Burleson call up too once they traded Bader, but Burleson's still not up. He's still raking in AAA, so I don't know. If maybe they're waiting to bring him up until the uh, roster expansion. Washington Nationals opted to go the huge but young prospect package from the Padres rather than going with the Cardinals or Dodgers. Everybody knows that now. Team's a few years away from competing. His Gore isn't probably maybe one pitch for the rest of the year. Uh, maybe they have Gore and Cavalli come up at the end of the year. Abrams uh, isn't up yet. I guess they're going to have him play in Triple A a little bit before they bring him back up. Um, but Hassel and Wood are pretty far back there. They're a couple of years away. So they did well in this trade, though. No one can say they didn't. And let's get into the injury notes. Second baseman, Ozzy Albies with the Braves. The word on the street is that Albies is now looking like a September return rather than August from his broken foot, even though he's playing catch now. But we'll see if he can beat it. Hunter Green with the Reds this season might be over as he's placed on the aisle with a shoulder strain. Even if he's healthy enough to come back, probably not going to push him. They're not playing for anything. Chris Bryant hit the IL again. What do you know? Starting pitcher Turek Skubal with the Tigers with place on the IL with arm fatigue. It's not like they're playing for anything, so why not put him on there? Buy him a few uh, weeks of rest. We'll come back, finish out the season. Uh, just to prep for next year. Man, this Tigers team, I was really thinking they were going to take some step forwards and be a big player and all their prospects kind of just had bad years they've all petered out even riley green has not had that good of a time since being called up starting pitcher lance mccullers with the astros is going to get five rehab starts um he's through three so he's a couple weeks away from a return playing kershaw hit the il with lower back issues i would not expect him to be a significant Contributor to your fantasy team for the rest of the season. He'll probably come back in September uh, just to prep for the playoffs. Dustin May is on the same timeline as McCullers. He's a couple weeks away. Alex Kirilov has unfortunately hit by again with another wrist issue. Poor dude. It appears to be chronic. I think it's going to affect his career. Outfielder Julio Rodriguez is expected back as soon as he's cleared from the IL, which is going to be like the middle of the week. He should be. Ready, I think, Wednesday, they said. Mitch Hanniger is expected back for, I think, Monday uh, next week. Sonny pitcher Jack Flaherty with the Cardinals is expected to start a rehab assignment, and the Cardinals expect him to be a starter when he comes back. And starting pitcher John Gray with the Rangers hit the aisle again with discomfort in his side, but could only miss one turn through the rotation. Take a quick break here as I take a drink of coffee. <sighs> yes, coffee. It's really early. All right, standard waiver league ads. Number one, we have starting pitcher Nick Lodolo with the Reds. There are a few pitchers at the top of the list here who should be in the top 40 of my starting pitchers, I think, next year, or around the top 40, these first three pitchers here. Nick Lodolo, I've got number one, though, because Lodolo, I think, has the potential to be an ace in the future. He's got a 325 Sierra on the season, a 21.3% K minus walk rate, and a 30.1% CSW this year. Number two, Reed Detmers, who is straight dealing now that he has fixed that slider. And I think he's the real deal. I don't think this is fake. 
I think most people are catching on now, but since July 1st, when Desmers came back up, he has a 298 Sierra, a 24.4% K minus walk rate, and 31 Ks in 24 innings. And the third starting pitcher here is Braxton Garrett with the Marlins. And Garrett is statistically in the top five of most important starting pitching metrics since June 1st. It's a miracle if he's still available in your league, so if he is, go get him. On the season, Garrett is rocking at 317 Sierra with a 21.3% K-minus walk rate and 31.8% CSW. That's too early on Garrett. I was trying to get him like two years ago. Just two years too early. And then even last year, I think I got him in some leagues and he sucked. So, uh, that happens sometimes. Sometimes they just figure it out and uh, you're too early and then you gave up too early. Number four, we have first baseman Vinny Pascantino with the Royals. Vinny P still showing really great stuff. Um, I don't know if he's going to put it together this year, but next year, this is a guy that I want on my teams. He's crushing the ball. He's not getting the extra base hits, though, for some reason. Home run to fly ball rate is uncharacteristically low. His contact rates are great. His plate discipline is great. His power is great. It's going to click at some point. Number five. I didn't think I'd see this guy on this list again, but we have starting pitcher Aaron Ashby falling below the 75% mark. Um, his ERA isn't good. I think let's keep him down. He's not getting the innings. He has a really unlucky 335 Babbitt this season with a 10% walk rate. That's going to stop you from going six-plus innings. But the strikeout stuff is elite, and he has the potential to be a top-30 pitcher. He has a 344 Sierra on the season with a 17.3% K-minus walk rate and a 33.8% CSW, which is masterful. It's top 10 stuff right there. Number six, we have starting pitcher Alex Cobb with the Giants. Cobb has been pitching way behind his back of baseball card stats all season, but his stats are finally just now starting to positively regress. Cobb has a 307 Sierra on the season with a 17.9 K minus walk rate and a 29.4% CSW. Starting pitcher number seven, another starter, Edward Cabrera with the Marlins. Here's a case where the underlying metrics aren't great. And I still have him on this list anyway because his stuff is insane. He's got to figure out the control. Like Ashby, that's what he's got to work on is that walk rate. But his stuff is crazy. 31.6% CSW, 14.8% swinging strike rate. Edward Cabrera, I really like long term. Number eight, third baseman Alec Bohm with the Phillies. I told you guys he was moving up from the list. He went from the deep league ads to the standard league ads. Bohm is hitting third in the Phillies lineup. A great place for runs and RBIs. And he's hitting 296 on the season. The power is still not there. He's got the power in him, though. He's going to be a 25 homer type guy. He has the power there. But if he's going to hit 290s, then you know, it's, even if he's only going to hit 15 or 20 homers, he's in the. If he's going to hit third and hit in the 290s in that lineup, he's going to be driving in a lot of runs. He's going to get a lot of runs himself. Um, so I like Boom long term and short term right now. Number nine, starting pitcher Jose Quintana with the Cardinals. Quintana's already underrated this year, but he looked great with the Cardinals defense behind him. Quintana's a 398 Sierra on the season with a 13.9 K minus walk rate, and I expect his numbers to improve with Yachty calling his names and at and, and that defense at his back in that home ballpark. Number 10, outfielder Kyle Lewis, who has not performed since coming back, but he was dominating in the minors before getting called up. And he's going to take a little time for him to click. He's been out most of the year. So give it a couple weeks. Um, I think he's still worth watching or adding in these 12-team leagues because he's got, I mean, he's the rookie of the year. He's a good player. So let's see if he can get things working. If not, then, hey, 
just drop him, but he's falling on this list at number 10. I still think he's worth an eye. Top 10 deep league ads. Number one, closer Felix Bautista with the Orioles. Bautista is the second hardest throwing player in baseball to Jordan Hicks, but he can actually command his stuff, unlike Hicks. But Hicks did look really friggin' nasty against the Yankees yesterday. I'll tell you that. Um, but Bautista has a 234 Sierra on the season, a 27.2% K minus walk rate, and a 30.8% CSW. Really great stuff, and now he's going to be getting the saves for the Orioles. Number two on the list is Andres Munoz with the Mariners. I think he is a top five reliever in baseball. He's not the closer right now for the Mariners because they have Seawald, but he's a top five reliever in baseball. He's a 188 Sierra on the season, 33.1% K minus walk rate, and a 19.5% swinging strike rate. Is 62 Ks and 41 innings. Number three, we have AJ Puck with Athletics, who could, should be closing. We're not sure. The Athletics do some weird things. Um, he should be, though. He's the best reliever on the team. He's got a 308 Sierra with a 19% K minus walk rate and a 29.7% CSW. Number four, I already talked about him with Tad, starting pitcher Ronzi Contreras. I think he is coming back soon. He had a really strong 9 Ks and 4 innings start at AAA. Bring this dude back. Let him pitch. Come on, Pirates. Let's do it. Stop playing musical chairs with everybody. This guy you need. He's your basically your future ace. Number five, starting pitcher Mitch Keller, another Pirate. Um, we'll talk about him a little deeper in the deep dive this week, so I'm not going to talk much more about him. Number six, Miguel Vargas with the Dodgers. I've already talked a little bit about him. This is all about the playing time. I have Vargas on this list right now because it's worth watching. He's got the skill. We just need to get the playing time now for Miguel Vargas. Number seven, outfielder Trent Grisham. Grisham has a 122 WRC plus since July 1st, a near 11% walk rate and seven homers, a 12.3% barrel rate. He has been crushing the ball, but he still has a 215 Babbitt during this time. I don't know why his Babbitt is so low. Grisham should be performing much better. Like He's hitting the ball hard. He's walking. He's got a good eye. Just this Babbitt. All year has been ridiculous. And I know Eno said something about it, that ever since he hurt his foot, the bat's been down, the speed has been down. So I think once Grisham gets the speed back, if he gets the speed back, he's going to reemerge as the player he was when he broke out a couple years ago. Number eight, outfielder Oscar Gonzalez with the Guardians. Oscar needs to work on the plate discipline, but he's got really good power speed metrics, kind of like a lighter Tyler O'Neill type player or a Dulles Garcia. He, have, he was hitting a lot of homers in the minors. The homers have not started yet at the major league level. He only has three, but I think it's going to pick up because he does hit the ball really hard, and he's got that speed. So he's getting extra base hits. He's hitting for high average because he's got the speed. So Oscar Gonzalez, I like in that Guardians lineup. Number nine, starting pitcher Cutter Crawford with the Red Sox. Crawford's kind of average, but in deep leagues, somehow um, average can be good enough sometimes. So Crawford has a 366 Sierra, 17.4% K minus walk rate, and 27.6% CSW at the major league level this season. Number 10, we've got outfielder Seth Brown with the Athletics. Brown is basically the Robbie Grossman of 2022. It's good number four, number five. Outfielder in Roto Leagues, not the best for head to head um, because he's got a 236, 293, 459 slash. But he does have 16 homers and eight steals, so he's getting those kind of stats for you. And Athletics, he's in the middle of the Athletics lineup. Okay, we need to take a little break for more coffee here before we get into the prospects. All righties, 
redraft prospects. Top 10. Numero uno right now is catcher Bo Naylor with the Guardians. Um, the Guardians' worst offensive possession is ke- position is catcher. They didn't trade for a catcher. Bo is Josh's little brother. I think he should be up at some point to help them down the stretch. This dude has insane walk rates at every level and speed for a catcher. Kind of like a Varcho or a JT Real Muto, almost with better on-base skills. And he's going to come up sometime in mid-August on the season in AA. He's in AAA now, but in AA he had 271, 427, 471 slash. AAA, 290, 412, 561. He's got 12 homers and 15 steals. Number two, and being a little hopeful here, because I think there's only about a 30% chance he gets called up this year, but that's shortstop Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles. This guy is going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be like Alex Bregman with more power and a little more speed. I've got him coming up in late August. This is all going to depend on the Orioles. If they're pushing for a playoff spot, they have to call up Gunnar Henderson by the end of the month if they're playing for a push up or playing for that playoff spot. This season in double A, he had a 312, 452, 573 slash. Triple A, 295, 398, 548. He's 17 homers and 16 steals on the season. Number three, another Oriole, DL Hall, starting pitcher. We've talked a little bit about him. Crazy stuff. He's got to put a couple consecutive strong starts together. So I've got him coming up in late August now. He's got about 65 innings pitched with a 22% K minus walk rate. Pretty bad 487 ERA and 148 whip because it seems like either he pitches six innings with 14 Ks and no runs, or he gets blown off, blown up in three innings. And it's one or the other. It's good, really good or really bad. There's like no middle ground with Hall, but he's got some of the nastiest stuff in the minors. Maybe the nastiest stuff in the minors. He's compared to Shane McClanahan as a lefty, you can throw over 100. Number four, catcher Shea Langliers with the A's. I figured Langliers would be up right after the deadline. They would do that uh, thing that the Royals are doing with two catchers where they one DHs and one is catching and they just swap off. But that didn't happen. Maybe he doesn't get called up this year when they wait to trade Murphy in the offseason. Oh, sorry. A yawn mid-podcast. That's great, but it is really early, and I'm still drinking my first cup of coffee. But I've got Shea up mid-August, and uh, he's got his stat line this year, 276, 362, 516, with 18 homers and 5 steals. Number five, this guy was traded. Ken Waldachuk with the A's was traded from the Yankees to the A's. He's pretty much the prize of the Frankie Montes trade, so I think he should get called up to make some starts and get his feet wet at some point this season. In AAA this year, he's only pitched about 48 innings. He did start in AA. 22.8% K minus walk rate, 359 ERA, and 128 whip. Um, so I think he does get some games in. Number six, Alec Burleson with the Cardinals. I thought for sure Burleson was going to get traded for Soto or for a high end starter. But of course, the Cardinals made a couple Cardinals like moves. They didn't make the big move. So they could keep their glut of outfielders. They didn't thin the herd. Um, but I think Burleson comes up at some point still this year. He's still behind Yepes, and Yepes can't play right field. So if something happens in Newbar, Burleson's the next man up. Triple A this year, he's hitting 330, 372, 548 with 19 homers and three steals. So got him as an early September call up when the rosters expand. Number seven, second baseman, third baseman, Emmanuel Valdez with the Red Sox. He went from being blocked in the Astros to being blocked with the Red Sox, but story's out. 
So it's possible Valdez comes up to play second base with Story out. It's also possible that when Bogarts opts out at the end of the year, and if the Red Sox do not resign, resign him, Story moves to short, Valdez plays second for the Red Sox long term. This guy's a good hitter. He's was hitting in double A this year, 357, 463, 649. Triple A, not as good, but still really good. 296, 347, 560. He's got 23 homers and six steals. Number eight, we have Taj Bradley with the Rays. I think Bradley's going to come up this year, kind of like how the Rays called up Shane Boss last year, and they called up um, Shane McClanahan the year before that. They like to bring up that top pitching prospect right at the very end of the year, help them in the playoffs, get the feet wet. Double um, A this year, amazing stats. 74 innings, pitch 24-6K minus walk rate, 170 ERA and .91 whip. Triple A. It's only a few starts, small sample size, but 12 innings pitched, 23.6% K minus walk rate, 525 ERA, and 150 whip. I do think Bradley comes up this year, though, to help the race down the stretch. That's what the Rays do. Number nine, Kyle Sowers with the Orioles. I think he's definitely up. I've got him mid-August. By the way, I've got Taj Bradley coming up early to mid-September. But Sowers, we got him mid-August. He should be coming in to fill in that Mancini role at some point. Uh... I don't think he's a superstar by any means, but this is a, a major league starter right here, and he's going to be one of the guys on this Orioles uh, renovation. So Stowers, triple slash is 261, 356, 536. He's been in AAA all season with 18 homers and three steals. Number 10 here, we have Cape Cavalli with the Nationals, former superstar starting pitcher. He's kind of got some post-hype uh, sleeper status here with Cape Cavalli now. Um, but well, he's actually had a decent year. The ERA is not all there, and the K, he, he should be getting uh, less walks, more Ks. But the whip is all right. So Kid Cavalli this year, his line is 80 innings pitch, 15.1% K minus walk rate, 405 ERA and 119 whip. And he comes up in early September when rosters expand just to get his feet wet in the majors. Honorable mention, I've shrunk this list a little because I think a lot of these guys are not coming up this year. These are the guys to keep an eye on. I do not think Corbin Carroll's coming up, but I have him on this list. I, I would watch outfielder Dominic Fletcher with the Diamondbacks, second baseman slash third baseman Spencer Steer with the Reds, who was actually traded from the Twins in that Tyler Molly trade. Got starting pitcher Grayson Rodriguez with the Orioles, who could come up if the Orioles are trying to make that playoff run and Grayson's healthy. He could come up. I mean, it's doubtful, but something to watch. First baseman Tristan Costas with the Red Sox. Who could come up? I doubt that, too, but he could when the rosters expand. Uh, we've got Eggy Rosario with the Padres, second baseman, third baseman, could come up, provide some depth down the stretch run when the rosters expand. Matt Mervis, first baseman with the Cubs. Outfielder Pedro Leon with the Astros could come up during the roster expansion. And Kerry Carpenter, outfielder with the Tigers, someone to watch. He's been really good this year, but the Tigers, they've had such bad luck with their prospects. They might just say, nah, we're waiting until next year. We're not going to do that this year. Uh, graduated this week were Miguel Vargas, Jared Kalenic, and Will Benson for the Guardians. And we will be getting into our deep look very shortly. Save that for last. I'm going to get into the moves that I made this week. In the CBS, CBS Memorial Magazine League, I made no moves this last week. I've got a couple closer ads in right now. Hopefully I get one. TGFBI, I had AJ Puck for 8 bucks, dropping Tyler Molly last week. In my Dynasty Home Team League, I did, have not made any moves. Trade deadline is Thursday, 8-11. I have an injured Max Meyer, 
that was going to be a keeper for me that I'm trying to pawn off right now for something, but nobody's really in the mood. In my international 20-team league, I'll get to that one last because that one's pretty... Um, in my odds new 12-team league, I had a bow nailer for $2. Um, even if he doesn't come up this year, I think he will. I'm going to be using him next year. I have him and a $2 Danny Jansen will be my two catchers uh, for that league next year, so I don't have to draft a catcher. In my international 20-team league, I did make a trade, um, but it was a backup trade. I was really trying to get Juan Soto. So, really, I've lost Soto twice this week. The Cardinals lost him. I was super depressed on Tuesday, a little depressed on Wednesday. Thursday, I was all right. Thursday, I was all right because I was trying to trade for Juan Soto. Uh, The owner in this league who had Juan Soto as a 14th-round keeper would be a 12th-rounder next year. Uh, is a Nationals fan, so he's depressed that Soto's traded. He's trading Juan Soto, and I was getting in on it. And I went to bed uh, Thursday night thinking that I was going to get Juan Soto. I was told I had the best offer. There, uh, the, one of the owners, because it's a co-owned team, it was his fiance's birthday. Went to, so I went to sleep thinking I had the best offer, and woke up, and someone beat me. My offer for Juan Soto in this league was a 10th round Ozzy Albies. So I'm trading a 10th round Ozzy Albies for a 12th round Juan Soto basically for next year. And I was also trading a 26th round DL Hall, 26th round Miguel Vargas. And then my first round pick, which is very valuable in this league. If you don't have a first or second round, those are basically the only rounds that mean anything in this league. I'm trading my first round pick, my third round pick, fourth round, and sixth round. And you only get seven keepers in this league. So, and it's a 20 team league. So this draft, after you take all the keepers out, like, after the third round, it just, everything sucks. I'm trading my first, third, fourth, sixth um, for Soto. And I thought I had it, but I didn't. I barely lost this trade, I was told. Someone traded uh, a one, a two, and two threes, along with a 24th round Grayson Rodriguez, a 21st round Jordan Walker, and a 23rd round C.J. Abrams. And one of the crappy things about this trade is that I could have, I had Jordan Walker. I drafted him and dropped him because I needed the roster spots. There's only one NA spot in this league. It's not like I have a farm system. So you only get one NA, one NA spot. And I dropped, I drafted Walker. I dropped Walker, even though I'm a Cardinals fan. I loved him because I don't think he's, I knew he wasn't coming up this year. And I don't think he's going to come up next year either. And it's a very slim shot he comes up next year. It would have to take, a Tyler O'Neill injury, I think, or a Nolan Arenado injury for Jordan Walker to come up next year. I don't think he's coming up next year. So that's why I was okay dropping him and um, using that NA spot for Gunnar Henderson uh, because I think Gunnar Henderson's definitely going to be up at the beginning of next year, if not the end of this year. I mean, that Grayson Rodriguez pick, because pitchers are very valuable in this league, that's, that's, a, nice, that's a nice player to have right there. Um, take Grayson or Albies. I would take Albies in this league. It's only get seven keepers. You need superstars. Ozzy Albies, even though people forget because he was hurt, he's a superstar. Um, so I don't know. It's close. So missed out. Subsequently, I made a smaller move, dealing a 14th and a 16th round draft pick for Brandon Nimmo, and a 23rd and 24th got me a left fielder. So my offense. I could upgrade a little bit. I'm just hoping Albies comes back to help me out. I've also got 
Jorge Soler on the IL. Very deep league. So Soler is good in this league. And that's that uh, for the trades. So let's get into the deep dive. The deep dive this week is going to be, I'm going to be trying to be helping you guys make trades. I want to help you guys find value. And one of the most important things to trade for at the deadline in your fantasy leagues. And guess what? If you're in a Yahoo league, your deadline is this week. It is Thursday this week. So I want to try to help you find value in the starting pitcher market. I'm going to give you a list of 10 guys that I think you could acquire in your leagues for good value. These are guys that I think are underrated in their value. And you can get better value by trading for them than what the person is selling them for. Number one, Charlie Morton. Due to his age and the bad start that he had at the beginning of the year, Morton is severely undervalued in many leagues. Since June 1st, Morton is 6th in baseball with a 290 Sierra, 6th again with a 24.8% K-minus walk rate. And if you can buy Morton low in Keeper Dynasty Leagues because he's old and might retire at the end of the season, now is the time to get him. He might be your guy to carry you across the finish line. Number two, starting pitcher Oshohei Otani. Pitcher Otani is underrated. Everyone's always thinking about hitter Otani, but since June 1st, Otani has been the best pitcher in baseball. He is first in Sierra with a 231. First in K-minus walk with a 30.9%. And third in CSW with 32.9%. Someone in your league is underrating the pitcher version of Otani. He only starts once a week. He is worth a grab. Number three, starting pitcher Spencer Strider. If you are in a league where people, especially in redraft leagues, and keeper and dynasty leagues, this guy's impossible to get right now. But if you are in a redraft league and someone is afraid of Spencer Strider's innings limit, I would go get Strider. They brought in Odorizzi in form of six-man rotation. And they did that so that they don't have to skip start, Strider starts, I think. Strider's not going to be missing starts. They're just going to go six-man now down the stretch. Um, and that's going to save his innings for the playoffs. But since June 1st, Strider's second in Sierra with a 243. Second in K-minus walk rate with 30%. And has over a 30% CSW. If someone's afraid of Spencer Strider's innings in a redraft league, go get Spencer Strider. Number four, John Gray. Created the IL and will only miss one start, which creates a nice buy-low opportunity for him here. Gray's 12th in Sierra with a 316, 12th in K-minus walk rate with a 22.2%, and 10th in CSW with a 31.3%. So, Gray's on the IL. Go get him if it's a nice buy-low opportunity in your league since he's hurt. Someone might be selling, but he should be back right when he's eligible. Number five, Alex Wood with the Giants. The Giants... We already talked a little bit about Alex Cobb, too. The starters had a rough start to the year. That's it. Cobb and Wood, basically, both bad starts, good underlying metrics, and have rebounded strongly. He has a 340 Sierra since June 1st with an 18.4% K-minus walk rate and a 29, 28.9% CSW. So Giants pitchers besides Carlos Rodon are underrated. If you can get Cobb, if you can get Wood, if you can get Webb, go get those guys. They're good pitchers. They're playing in San Francisco. Number six, we have starting pitcher Jose Barrios with the Blue Jays. Barrios has really bad back of the baseball card stats this year, but he is normalized. And since June 1st, Barrios has a 342 Sierra, a 19.6% K minus walk rate, and a 28.7% CSW. I think he's a really nice buy low right now because he's pitching very well. The back of the baseball card stats are still bad. You can get Brios pretty cheap if you need a starting pitcher. Number seven, Brady Singer with the Royals. 
This guy's just forgotten about. He's been lighting up my waiver wire column for weeks. He finally just graduated off of it. Since June 1st, Brady Singer has a 353 Sierra, an 18.5% K minus walk rate, and a 33.3% CSW. Brady Singer is great. He's the only Royal really worth owning outside of Wid and Pascatino. <laughs> but enough Melendez. But um, if you can get Singer, get him because people don't like Royals. Number eight, starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery. New Cardinal. He had some rough starts with the Yankees. He didn't get any K's in his first Cardinal start. This dude has Yachty as his catcher now. He's got the best defense in baseball behind him. He's pitching for in a way better ballpark for pitchers. Montgomery is a very good buy low. Go get Montgomery if you can. Since June 1st, he has a 368 Sierra, a 16.4% K minus walk rate, and a 30.8% CSW, which is 11th. So Montgomery, very good pitcher to buy low on right now. Number nine, Corey Kluber with the Rays. Kluber has been kind of written off because he's older, didn't have good stuff the last couple of years, but he's had a bit of a resurgence with the Rays. Since June 1st, Kluber has a 17.8% K minus walk rate, a 30.1% CSW, and um, has, like I said, that old man fatigue. You can buy a little Kluber as a number four, number five starter for your fantasy team. It's worth it right now. And number 10, Mitch Keller with the Pirates. I already talked about Keller a little bit, but Keller, we'll get into the details here, is a post-hype prospect who's been blasted uh, through sleeper status a few times in his young career already. Everyone was really high on him when he's throwing 100 in spring training, blah, blah, blah. That's all forgotten about. But since June 1st, Keller has a 385 Sierra. He's not really giving the swings and misses. He's not getting the case, so people might forget about him. And deep leagues, Mitch Keller is a nice buy low opportunity. So these are the 10 guys that I recommend trying to buy low on. Charlie Morton, Shohei Otani, Spencer Strider, John Gray, Alex Wood, Jose Barrios, Brady Singer, Jordan Montgomery, Corey Kluber, and Mitch Keller. If it is your deadline and you need pitching, everyone needs pitching. If you, if you need pitching, yeah, right. You need pitching. Go get one of these guys in your leagues. So that's going to wrap us up. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate the listens. Please feel free to stop right now. I would really appreciate it if you could do this. Stop. Give me a five-star review on Apple Pots or on Spotify. It would really help me out if you could do that. Please do that for me since you listen through my podcast. If you like my stuff, please give me a follow on Twitter and retweet some of my stuff. And if you like my content, everyone appreciates gratification. So if you can, just hit me up with a thank you or tell me on Twitter, uh, yo, at Fancy Aceball is a great podcast or something like that. I really appreciate it if you could do that for me so I know you like my stuff and you're listening. And my valuable time is not going to waste. Thanks for listening. Peace, y'all. See you next week.